Good morning. Hey, this morning as we get to commission the Kendall family to South Africa, I just want to acknowledge that's a win for the church to get to be part of that. And you all, if you know Christ, are missionaries to McKinney or Frisco or Princeton or Melissa or Anna or Plano. You you understand what I'm saying. We've had a, a team that has been training people, and this is not politically correct, but it is biblically correct to be missionaries in our community and to share their faith and to disciple people to follow Christ and we've had groups meeting on Wednesday night Saturday and Sunday specifically I'm talking about groups that were being trained by a man by the name of Ross Ramsey who trains people to actually train others in our community going out and sharing their faith and one of those ladies reached out to us this week to share a story that I'm going to share with you Uh, she said hey I went to be trained to share Jesus in my workplace because I know that God has called me to share my faith in my workplace. And so she had come to the training. After the training, she went home and her daughter from college was home with her college roommate. And so she shared the gospel with her daughter and her daughter's roommate. And in her email, she was sharing it. It would look like she was thinking, I'm just kind of practicing on somebody that I'm comfortable with and then her daughter's roommate started asking lots of questions then she shared and I quote well her roommate called me last night at 1 a.m. this is this week she said what I told her had changed her life I'll read those words again she said what I told her had changed her her life. I'll read it one more time. Just if, if you're here today, if you're joining us online and you don't believe in Jesus, uh, even as we talked and sung about belief earlier, and we're going to talk about this crucifixion of someone 2,000 years ago and this resurrection. If you don't believe in Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus has changed my life. He changes life. She said, what I told her had changed her life. Later, she shared that she went to church this past Sunday and is seeking out a church, a Bible study, to start to live her life for Jesus. She said that she is so happy and feels so excited to be having God in her life. And then this is in parentheses, I'm not really sure why. She said she was crying because she was just so grateful that someone had shared the gospel, which that word means good news, with her. That's awesome. If you, yeah, you, yeah. if you're in the room or if you're online, and, and again, you're, you're like this whole Jesus deal, uh, nah. I came to church because my neighbor made me come or my coworker invited me or a classmate said, hey, would you join me at church today? But I really, I, I don't really get that Jesus stuff. If that's where you are, I want to tell you that everyone in the room was there at one point. And there are people in this room, not everybody, but there are people in this room that have seen God radically change their life. Some people think, I don't fit. I don't fit because of what I've done. Uh, 
I'll get to that in a little bit here. If you knew who the people you're sitting beside are, and I'm the pastor here, so I know a lot of what these people have done, you would not feel comfortable sitting beside them. Okay? <laughs> Believe it or not, you fit. You fit, and I want you to hear today what Jesus has done. But today, primarily, I'm wanting to talk to the people here in the room that do know Jesus. And we're, we're going to, in the book of Mark, if you want to grab your Bible, if you don't have one with you in the pew there in front of you, there's a black one. If you don't own one, can we give one to you? We'd love to do that. We're going to read the story of the crucifixion of Christ. And you might think, well, why are we not doing Palm Sunday? This is Palm Sunday. Well, we're just going a chapter at, the time, at a time through the book of Mark right now. And we actually preached the Palm Sunday story a few weeks ago. So if, if you want to hear that story from, from one of our sermons, you can go back a few weeks. But today we're going to talk about the crucifixion, next week the resurrection. And these two events are the two events that literally the whole world has changed in response to these two events. Like the reason the world gathers to worship on Sundays now is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I want us as Christians, if you believe in Jesus, I want you to see again what Jesus has done. And I'm going to invite you this week to respond to it. Normally, I would have you stand as I read Scripture, but I'm going to read a lot of Scripture today. And so that you're not distracted just by standing, I'm going to keep you seated. Yeah, on your tush. I don't know how it was going to come out the wrong way, but that. Because I want you to focus on what the Bible actually says. And to catch you up in where, where we are in the story, Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas. The religious leaders were wanting to catch Jesus and kill him because he was claiming to be God and he was telling people he could forgive sin. And so... Last week, if you were with us, we were in this chapter really 14 of Mark. We, there was the Lord's Supper story, and we got to do a Seder together, which was cool. After the Seder happened, Jesus goes to Gethsemane. The, the religious leaders come to capture him after he was praying, and then he spends Thursday night, Friday morning early, going back and forth between these religious trials with the Jews and these, not just religious, these political trials with the Romans. And we're going to pick up when he is with Pilate, one of the Roman leaders, and Pilate has spent time with Jesus and has found that Jesus is innocent in his mind. Pick up with me now in verse 12 of chapter 15. And Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews. And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they all shouted out, All the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. 
And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put on his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they were compelled, a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine and mixed myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. When they had crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha ha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And so someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance. 
among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. God, I ask in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd help. Uh, I pray that we could today see what Jesus went through for us. God, that we would understand why he went through it and that we could respond to it. I pray that for people who've never heard of Jesus, that they could hear the story, but primarily today, I'm actually wanting to talk to people in the room who believe in Jesus, that we could respond to what you have done for us on the cross. So I ask for your help, God. Holy Spirit, I need the cross just as much, if not more, than any other person in this room. So help me, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes, uh, what I want to do is just spend a little time, again, answering hopefully three questions that the text answers for us. What is it that Jesus went through when he was crucified? Why did Jesus go through it? And then how can we respond to it? Y'all with me? All right. First, what did Jesus go through? Well, if you read after Pilate releases him, even saying he was evil, but to them, not evil, innocent, wow, to the evil people to kill him, he has, his, he has Jesus scourged. Scourging uh, was a whip of a cat of nine tails, you may have heard of it, called that way, a whip that would have had in it um, many tails of leather, and on the end of the leather, there would have been tied to bones and stones some glass and they would have whipped the body and as they were whipping the body it would have just torn at the body there were laws that you couldn't whip more than 39 times because they would fear death just from the scourging and after they had Jesus scourged they made a crown of thorns they pressed it down on his head tells us that there was this purple cloak that they put over his now incredibly lacerated body cloak probably stuck to him and then they mocked him beat him with a reed spit in his face acted as if they were worshiping him when their hearts were thinking the opposite they stripped then that cloak off of him put his clothes back on him and they started heading to Golgotha Jesus was not able to carry his cross most think because of the blood loss that he had already gone through at that through at that point so they ask another person to carry it and then they get to Golgotha and y'all y'all know already as I talk about it and some of you are thinking there's kids in the room and I recognize that the, for the first century Romans, the worst criminals 
were executed in a very different way than they are today. Like you might hear of lethal injection or the electric chair, which doesn't really happen much anymore. Those things are done in a way that is as much as they can quick and painless, like it was the opposite for, for the Romans. They wanted to find the most humiliating, painful death. And there are many doctors that have written on crucifixion to say they found it the most painful humiliating death nails in his wrists nails in his feet nailed to the cross and then most they think died on the cross either from suffocation no longer able to pull themselves up to breathe because this would pull against or from dehydration which is incredibly painful from blood loss what did Jesus go through he went through an incredibly painful death uh, this last week uh, the church allows for me to get time away to plan ahead and pray ahead and I was spending time this week praying over our 2024 year and and calendar and I spent three days and two nights with my parents as I was planning and praying and we talked about the crucifixion my dad told me Sam, I've never watched The Passion of the Christ. He said, that's on purpose. So the reason I haven't watched it is I believe his greatest pain was not physical but spiritual as he bore the sin of the world, including my own. Jesus died, but do you know Why? What Jesus went through was this graphic death on a cross. Do you know why Jesus went through it? Uh, again, I talk to people sometimes that don't feel like they fit. And I, again, I told you I know the people here in the room. Do y'all know, as pastor, I get to know the people here in the room pretty good. And uh, there's, not, there's nothing on the, online they haven't looked at on purpose. Uh, there, there's nothing they haven't snorted. This is not everyone in the room. This is just, um, there, there's, not, there, there, there's people in the room that, that have had more marriages they can, they can count on one hand. Uh, there's people in the room who've spent most of their life not being able to find a job. Uh, there's people in the room who are so ashamed of the way that they've treated people in their family that they can't even connect to the others. They're, they're like, okay, you, again, I told you you wouldn't sit next to the people. If you knew my life, why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die on the cross? That's why he died on the cross. Jesus, who's in, he's in complete control of the situation. And Mark, as we've read through Mark, three different times in Mark, he told his disciples, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem, be killed, and rise again. He, he, this was not, he was not being killed by the Jewish leaders, they were trying him. He was letting it happen. He was orchestrating it in such a way. And he is going to use now the words of the ridiculers to tell us why he was going through this. Verse 26 tells us that above his head, and again, in ridicule, but it was written the words, what? The king of what? The Jews. The Bible had told us that there would be a king in the line of David who would reign forever. And this is who it is, Jesus. Those who were walking by him, verse 29, say, ah, 
you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? This is what Jesus had said when he was off the cross. The greatest temple the world has ever seen was Jesus. He eventually would call believers' body the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' body held the temple. Like, and Jesus was destroying the temple on the cross. They're ridiculing, destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Little do they know, save yourself, they say, and come down from the cross. The religious leaders, the scribes, mocked him to one another in verse 31. He saved others. Little did they know, small. They had seen a few people. He said, your sins are forgiven. They had seen him supernaturally rise a few people from the dead. He saved others, they said, little did they know. Some 2.2 billion people alive today in the world say that he's their king. He saved others, little did they know. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Jesus knew that there was something even more powerful and more faith giving than coming down from a cross as an alive person he was going to die so that he could save the world and then he was going to rise again so that people could see and believe why did Jesus go through this big idea here Jesus gave his life to give us life Jesus did not save himself from the cross. Jesus saved us through the cross. I'll say that again. Jesus didn't save himself from the cross as they're ridiculing him. Jesus saved us through the cross. You have sinned, I have sinned. I've, 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 I've already gotten on this room enough today on how much y'all have sinned. I should back off, right? Hey, but in my life, you could go down all of the Ten Commandments, and if you look at my heart, I've disobeyed all ten of the Ten Commandments in my heart, and so have you. And if you sin against an eternal and perfect God, you know what that requires? It, it requires eternal and perfect punishment or an eternal and perfect sacrifice. And Jesus, little do they know or fully understand, they couldn't, in fact, we, I don't think, yet can fully understand. But I want to invite you Christians as we go through this week to gaze at the cross. That God sent his son to give his life, to give us life. How do we respond? Again, the whole creation ex responds. Uh, the, the, it tells us in verse 33, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land. I'd never thought about this specifically until this week. Christmas, God sends this supernatural light, the star, to shine down and show the world big things are happening through this man in his birth. In Jesus' death, in the day, God sends supernatural darkness. The whole world responds to say, hey, God is doing something supernatural through this man. The whole world responds. God himself 
responds. Jesus cries out from the cross, oh God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What fully happened in this moment? We do not fully know, I don't believe. But Psalms chapter 22, he's quoting from those words in Psalms chapter 22. David in that passage is a righteous sufferer, he says, and he's not righteous. So how could that be? It's prophecy towards the future. And he's lamenting the pain he is walking through. Yet the second half of Psalms 22, he's crying out in triumph, knowing that God is going to vindicate him. And Jesus on the cross fulfills this perfectly. But God, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe, personally, my stance on what's happening here is because the sin of the world is on him and God has to separate himself from sin, that Jesus himself was experiencing for a moment hell, separation from God. It's what the world will experience if they do not receive and believe what Jesus has done for them eternally. My God, my God, why are you, have you forsaken me? The temple, religion responds, what separated the people from the holy of holies, the presence of God, that huge curtain that was some three, some even say more than that thick. It was impossible for any person, in fact, even a large group of people, they say, to have torn the curtain. It was torn from the top to the bottom, what separated man from the presence of God what separated women from the presence of God was torn into access to God and then we have the the guy who is in charge and I say this loosely because we were just as responsible for the death of Christ as the centurion was the centurion who stood by facing him saw in which the way he breathed his last John tells us when he breathed his last he said Tetelestai, it is finished. A word that they would have written on debts once they were paid in full. He said, Tetelestai, the centurion who saw him, when he saw the way that which he breathed his last, he said, verse 39, truly this man was what? The son of God. If, if you're not a believer in Jesus, can I invite you to research the historicity of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to spend time talking about it today. I could, if you want to email me, Sam, at First McKinney, I can point you to a lot of books that Christian apologetics is what they call it. But we, my faith is not based on philosophy. It is the gracious wonderful gift that God gives that is so beautiful for me to get to talk but that's not my faith is based on a historic event that happened 2,000 years ago our calendars are dated based on the life of Christ our, our we celebrate on Sundays now based on his resurrection uh, 2.2 billion people in the world today believe it happened you, it deserves your attention. This man, he says, surely Jesus was the son of God. There's a real king, a real king of the Jews. In a real kingdom, his name is Jesus. He is the Christ, ridiculed as that in verse 
32 by the religious leaders. He is the son of God confessed as that by the guy who executed him. He is the son of God. In his love, by his grace, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross controlling the whole situation. Why? For your sin. Rose again. He's coming again. Repent. Believe. Like I believe the centurion did that day. Even the one who killed Jesus is going to be with us in heaven. Again, we're just as responsible for his death as the centurion was. Repent, believe, and follow him. Be part of his kingdom now and forever. Again, I'm talking then for a few minutes to those who may not consider themselves. Let's go, let's go back. I'm going to talk to Christians again. How do you respond to it? Maybe at one point in your life, yes, you said, I believe. Maybe you're like, hey, yeah, I'm in here in church today, Sam, because I do believe. How do you respond to it? Can I point you to the followers here for a second? Verse 40. This is fun for me. Verse 40 says, there were also women looking on, watching the crucifixion. They were looking on, they were looking on the crucifixion, watching it happen from a distance. Among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger, of Joseph and of Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him. These are his followers. These are people who believe in Jesus. They're watching the crucifixion and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. There's an ancient Roman historian, one of the first Roman historians we have writing after the life of Christ, who tries to disprove that Jesus died and rose again, but he writes about his death and resurrection. You know how he disproves that he died and rose again? The way he disproves it is by saying, who's gonna listen to girls? This is really his argument. You can't trust women. Celsus' argument against there really being a crucifixion, which if you read Mark, he's, if you read historic documents at this time versus stories that were not historic or were trying to get away with trying to get people to believe stuff, the difference was historic writers, they couldn't take a picture, but they could tell you the people who saw it in person. They could give you their names and say, hey, they're still alive today as I'm writing why don't you go talk to them? And these ladies, by the way, when the gospel's preached, women are elevated, not the other way around. And, 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 and the gospel writers, it, Mark is going to bring up these three ladies twice in chapter 15, saying there were eyewitnesses to his crucifixion. And guess who's going to show up Sunday morning? These three ladies. He's, if you want to go talk, go talk to them. Some will argue this is one of the proofs for the resurrection. If they were coming up with a story, they wouldn't have chosen women to be the eyewitnesses. That the guy, they weren't worried about it. They trusted the ladies. They were the eyewitnesses. The guys, by the way, were too afraid and ran off, apparently. All but one, his name was, anybody know who's at the foot of the cross? John, right? They were there. Well, what were they doing? They were looking on from a distance. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do this week. If you're a Christian, this is a beautiful scheduled thing on our church calendar. 
that we get to spend a week with the women looking on from a distance as our Savior dies for our sin and rises again. What will that look like for you? I don't know, but if all you do is just run through this week and you never stop and look on the cross, you're gonna miss an opportunity for, you to, for God to do in your life what God does in lives when we focus on the gospel. And I'll read from that email earlier again today. What I told her changed her life, she said. She was crying because she was so grateful that I'd shared the good news, the gospel with her. God wants to do that in the life of believers also. You know that? This week, this is one of the ways it happened for me. There's a man in our church that prays for me and sends Bible verses to me each week, and he puts my name in the Bible verses. They're usually pretty lengthy prayers. I'm so thankful. I, I tell people I'm so blessed to be genuinely, because of y'all, the most prayed for man that I know. But as I read these words specifically this week, he was helping me, he was helping me to join the ladies and to look on the cross from a distance. And it, it was emotional for me. These are out of Romans chapter 5. This is what I read. Thank you, God, for demonstrating your own love for Sam in this. While Sam was still a sinner, Christ died for Sam. Since Sam has now been justified by Jesus' blood, how much more shall Sam be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? For if, while Sam was God's enemy, Sam was reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall Sam be saved through Jesus' life? I'm going to take my name out. I'm going to be quiet for here a second. I want you to read it. I want you to put your name in it. What is it that's gonna help you this week to reflect on the cross? I don't, maybe you need to take a picture of that. Frankly, I don't know. Maybe for you, it's in your time each morning this week, making a point to join the ladies and to look, to gaze at the cross from a distance. I don't know what it looks like for you, but when you do, you're gonna, you're gonna, be, you're gonna hear, I love you, I love you. Uh, my, my, my daughter had a nightmare. The cross is a nightmare. Came downstairs, got in bed with me this week, and she kissed me on my forehead and said, Daddy, I love you. I love you. And I went to sleep, and then I woke up a few minutes later, and she was saying, Daddy, I love you. I love you. I went to sleep. It was so sweet, Ellie. That's what gazing at the cross for Christians, and frankly, if you're not a believer yet, he's saying the same thing to you. God demonstrates your own, his own love for us in this. We have a lot happening this week to try to help you to gaze at the cross. One of those things is our Good Friday experience. I want you to watch as Daniel shares how this affected his life as he got to gaze at the cross through our Good Friday. Hi, I'm Danielle Wonders, and this is my son, Brandon. 
and we want to share with you about the Good Friday experience. Um, the first time we did this was about four years ago and it, how it really impacted us. We are from Southern California and uh, when we came out here, um, we were looking for a church and there was so much about First McKinney that just felt like home. We had heard of this Good Friday experience. We didn't know anything about it. We thought, just let's go check it out. We washed our hands at the very front and then we made our way into this area where they had the broken bread. After that, they have the garden and it's a beautiful garden that Jesus walked through. To tactily touch and feel things and see things and experience them in a way we'd never experienced them before. It was very moving. I got to the crown of thorns. It just hit me. He came and he suffered for us. So great as a mom to watch him really invest in this experience and to take his time with it and then to see him at the crown of thorns where it really hit him hard that Christ did this for me. We got in the car afterwards and we just sat there. Nobody said a single word. And then I said, what just happened? I went to the crosses over in the area by the basketball courts. I just went over there and I just prayed. I just asked God, is it okay for me to ask you into my life? And I think I heard him say, yes. It completely changed my life. I don't think I've ever experienced something like this ever before. It's really something. decided to join in celebration with others today and uh, made a decision to get baptized today and so I want to baptize them. When you get to the cross at the end, you get to write on a piece of paper your sins and all the weight that you're carrying around with you and physically nail that to the cross. He said that this put it all together and now it makes sense. To see what he did leading up to the cross and the cross itself and the sacrifice he made and to go through this and, and visually see, um, it's, I, you have to come. You just have to come see it for yourself. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yes, Brandon and Daniel, thank you all. Danielle and Brandon, I could say that wrong. Thank you all for sharing your story. Hey, this week, and we're gonna be doing a lot to try to help you to gaze at the cross, but really you've got to take that step in your own life. If you wanna, you can text the word Devo to 96123, and our ministers are gonna do a short little devotional as we walk through the Easter week. If you wanna, to be part of that, we're gonna send you a devotional to help you look at the cross as we walk through this week. As you're reading with us through Mark, next week there'll be another uh, reading plan that we'll punch you to. Why? Because that's super important for us to just reflect in general. But Friday, uh, great opportunity also for you to bring neighbors, people who don't know Christ. Saturday, our Easter fest, gonna be a fun time outside with our kids and then we'll have our first Easter service in here at 5.30 Saturday night. 
sunrise service, Easter morning. Y'all know last week we sent out the text to say, hey, uh, inviting people. I heard a story this morning from someone who sent that text. What are you doing for Easter to a coworker? The coworkers from another country has actually been part of practicing another religion and their whole family is coming with us to be part of worship next week, which is cool. So this is an opportunity. Yeah, y'all all did that. I'm, you're clapping for yourselves, right? So in, in bring people, invite people. One of our choir members said, hey, let's make this not expensive trash. Let's use it as an invitation, right? Put it in people's hands. Put it in people's hands and say, hey, what are you doing for Easter? Join me. The, on those services on Easter Sunday morning, what we ask if you can, if right now you have flexibility, don't come to 10 o'clock. <laughs> That's for some reason, that's the service that everyone tries to show up for at the same time. Last, week we last year, we had the most space actually in our 1130 service. But if you're bringing someone and they want to come to 10 o'clock, please come to 10 o'clock, all right? Bring someone, and if you have not yet jumped into serving on a Sunday morning, some people are like, hey, how do I kind of taste it but not like commit for everything? We need help next week, and this is a good way for you to figure out if, if this is an opportunity for you to serve. So you could come a service, serve a service, it's all happening. Super Bowl for Jesus, right? Next week, we get to, to tell people what he has done for us. Good? Good. Let me bless you, and we're going to sing as we go out. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you what my mom said, the cross gives her peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go love your neighbor. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.